Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, broadcasting live every Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m. Central, from Panama City Beach, Florida, home of the world's most beautiful beaches. I want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for joining me on my weekly broadcast. Every week, I'll feature some of the best instructors, coaches, authors, and entrepreneurs in the golf business today. I begin with a great discussion on Coach's Corner, followed by an insightful interview with my special guest. So let's get started by introducing tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a a great show for you here. Uh, The second last day of the month, uh, July 30th, we've got one more day, and another month is going to be under our belt. It's hard to believe we're going to be heading into August of 2020, and uh, hopefully uh, August will be a little bit better uh, for everybody. Uh, I know we've uh, had some interesting statistics come out lately uh, with the pandemic, uh, still some numbers on the rise, depending on who you listen to. And uh, so we want everybody to stay safe out there. We want them to be out and enjoying uh, their golf outing, but just again, monitor uh, your social distancing and, and just be safe out there. But I'm very happy to have tonight's show uh, as always uh, Thursday evenings here live on the blogtalkradio.com network. And I'm going to be starting things off here as mentioned uh, in the intro uh, with a great uh, discussion on coaches Cornell introduce the guys in just a moment. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, Chris McGinley. Uh, he is Homna's uh, Golf's North American General Manager and also the founder and CEO of the training aid brand, Swing Align. He's going to be joining me on the second half. Um, also, I want to remind everybody the show sponsors that uh, Golf Talk Live is brought to you by iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And, of course, Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, again, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today at golftipsmag.com. And just a friendly reminder that the uh, September-October issue, of course, uh, Golf Tips is a bi-monthly magazine, uh, the September-October issue will be going on sale uh, next week on August the 4th. So check out your local newsstands, and particularly if you like to shop in Barnes & Noble or Books A Million or some of the larger uh, retailers that carry it, you want to make sure that you check them for uh, the latest copy of uh, Golf Tips magazine. And that, again, that'll be hitting newsstands August the 4th, so make sure you check that out. And uh, again, uh, thanks everybody for tuning tonight uh, into Golf Talk Live, and I'm going to introduce the Coach's Corner panel. Uh, first up, of course, is Pete Buchanan. He is the founder and director of instruction and owner of Plain Simple Golf LLC. Uh, Plain Simple Golf uh, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. And Pete, of course, is a very good friend of the show and has been teaching for over 30 years now uh, this great game. Also joining me is John Decker. Uh, he's a PJ instructor, a motivational speaker, and he's also a senior editor and top 25 instructor with Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, he was the 2015 Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year. Uh, prior to that, he was the head instructor at the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf in Florida, where he worked under top 100 instructors Fred Griffin and Phil Rogers. And he's also the author of Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which, of course, includes uh, Bible study. Uh, guys, welcome to Coach's Corner panel. Thank you, Ted. Thanks, Ted. Great to be here. All right. 
I appreciate it, guys. Thank you, as always, for uh, giving you your time. All right, so we're going to start, and uh, I'm going to do it in the order that I introduced you, and we'll just, since there's only the two of you tonight, uh, I will just uh, keep that, that uh, uh, order, if you will. All right, we're going to talk, so I'm going to start with Pete, in other words. Uh, we're going to talk about some uh, 10 of the common problems that uh, virtually every golfer uh, quite often is faced with or makes. Um, and that can range from a high handicapper even up to some better players as well. Uh, golf is, uh, of course, a game that is most, uh, most mental and physically challenging sports that you can play. Um, and if you want to improve your game and lower your handicap, you need to identify your weakness and strive to improve them. So, Pete, I'm going to start with um, the putting game. Uh, and this aspect is putting is probably uh, the part of your game that you need to concentrate on the most. And it's imperative that you learn how to uh, certainly read the greens. We're going to talk about reading the greens in a, in a moment. Um, but you want to be able to affect a good, solid putting stroke each and every time that you putt. So in order to do these uh, things, read the greens, as I mentioned, and uh, keep that positive mindset by, by feeling comfortable uh, on the putting green, what do we got to do to make sure we tie all of that together? Let's talk about um, just putting in general. What are some some uh, things that we can do to hone in on our putting, and then talk a little bit about reading greens. Well, one of the most important parts of the game, so it's a, it's a great way to start. Um, you know, I've always said there's a proper way to roll a ball, and some people think that's kind of funny, that a ball just rolls, but there is a proper way to roll it. And so in putting, you know, distance is, is one of the key categories. Um, you've got to roll the ball the distance that you see relative to the the putts you're going to have obviously uh, to go in you have to have distance and direction but overall i think distance is the most important um, you don't three putt because the first putt got too close you three putt because the first putt didn't get close enough um, everybody always blames the second putt when they three putt but it's the first one that didn't get close enough but there are general things you can do from a setup standpoint to, to make it easier to roll the ball properly from you know how you hold the putter um, you know, it's the only club in the bag with a flat spot on the grip, and that's important that, you know, your thumbs go down there so your palms face each other, which makes it easier to move the face relative to where your arms are moving. Yeah, a setup that has a posture that allows you to, to sit with your eyes relatively over the, over the line of, of the putt you're trying to do, it's not 100% necessary because there's been guys that have been and gals that have been good either way, but it's, it's a great fundamental start. Um, one that allows your arms, your hands, and the club to move as a unit, a, a good posture to help you do that. And then understanding that, you know, to me, when you're looking at putting, the ball's still to the side of you and on the ground. So there is a slight arc involved to rolling the ball properly. Um, it's just like anything else. If, if you move it on a straight line, it doesn't always um, go back to repetitive uh, face control. So I think from an overall you know, setup standpoint, I think where I find most putters have problems is they're just not set up relative to, to be able to roll the ball properly. And, you know, they've had some success from time and you know, time again when they play, but I think you can really dig into some fundamentals and really get the ball to roll properly, get it to hit in the, in the right spot on the putter, right where the, the center mass is and get the ball to roll very, very well, which will give them so much more control over the distances that they put it and also the direction. But I think from a, from a big standpoint, they, they have to learn how to roll the ball first, uh, and then you can use that to help you with reading the greens and, and everything else that goes with it. But 
you know, if you're not rolling the ball properly, then, you know, it just, it's just not going to work as well. And, and it's funny that, that you started with this because I was on the putting green the other day working with somebody and I said, watch how many people finish off the range, drive right around this putting green and go to the first tee and tee off and have no idea what the greens are like today. Haven't even rolled right. the ball, have no idea what the speed is. And so they're just tossing strokes away by not just stopping and going up and hitting a few putts to figure out what's going on. So I think from that aspect, I mean, you can really help yourself out before you play to get an understanding of what the speed of the greens are. So you have at least an idea of what you're going to be able to do just from a sheer standpoint of distance control. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a few common things that you can do really, really simple to make it work. And I think the, the last part of a putting stroke is once the hands become independent from the arms, I think it becomes more difficult. Um, so I'd like to keep those as more of a unit uh, to make the stroke more concise and more re- re- that's a repetitive, repeatable uh, in order to roll the ball properly. Yeah, well said. And, you know, and also, Pete, you know, just to, to your last point there, you, you know, we used to see a lot of uh, of our older golfers, especially on the tour, that had almost like a slapping motion. Uh, they were very, very handsy in their putts, and they managed to get away with it. But again, it was through a lot of repetitive practice and so forth. Um, and now you see it's more of a pendulum type stroke where it's all unison, everything sort of upper body sort of works together with the arms and the hands and the shoulders sort of in a rocking motion or a pendulum motion, as I said. So it's a much different putting stroke what I see today than maybe perhaps what we saw, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Uh, And as far as reading the greens, um, uh, again, there's a lot of different components to that. Uh, Obviously, um, you know, you want to take particular notice of the contours of the green, uh, but also uh, with the the grain uh, of the green itself, how it grows, and and also uh, it, it's it's different depending on which direction you're looking from. Uh, the color sometimes it's a little darker, sometimes it's a little bit lighter. Uh, maybe you can touch on that a little bit and explain why that is, and the importance of obviously understanding the the, the grain of the grass uh, on your putting surface. Well, especially where you are down there in Florida, there's a, there's a lot of grain to it with the grasses that you have. So, you know, most of the time the grass is going to grow towards the setting sun. So it definitely has a grain to it and, and the ball is going to tend to be influenced by that. Um, so it definitely has, you know, a, a piece of that that you want to know before you get out there. But to me, first of all, starting off with putty, the one thing I like people to understand is as you're approaching the green, you know, take a look at the contours. Look, look at what you're up against. Is the right side higher than the left? Is the front lower than the back? I mean, you can really see a lot, and it's tougher these days in carts because you just zoom up there to the green and, and don't really even take a look. But, you know, spend a little bit of time looking at the contours of what you're looking at before you get to the green. It'll really tell you a lot. Um, you know, one of the, the crazy things is I've always said, you know, let's tend to break towards – the water, well, water never settles in a high point and always settles in a low point, so there's a lot of truth to that. Um, but you you can really look at the, the, the types of grasses that you have and, and what you're saying, too, even some of the shadowing or the, the light or dark, depending on how the sun's hitting it. Um, and some of those grains mm-hmm. can really give you an idea of, you know, if, it, if it's a little bit darker, it's, it's probably going to be down grain. If it's not, it might be against the grain, depending on what you're, what you're looking at. So, yeah, there's definitely things to, to – reading the greens i think that you can do um you know before you actually get to the green and then once you're on top of it you can you can start to get an idea of, of you know what the grain's doing i mean an old trick one of the old guys used to tell me he says look at the cup because when they 
you get some of these grasses that have grain in it, when they push the plunger in there, it'll pull the grass on one side and chop it off on the other. So you can see the grass sort of over the edge on one side. It kind of tells you where the grass is growing towards. So that was kind of a cool thing to notice back then because you know, I came out of the Midwest, you know, playing bent grass greens all the time. And I get down to Florida, I'm like, what are these things? You know, well, how do you put on these? First of all, they're slow. And I think there's a break there and there's not, and there's grain and there's, yeah. So there's definitely a difference in, in how they, how they react. But um, there's an art to reading greens too. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to teach. Um, I think um, because it takes a little bit of experience to see, you know, what's out there. But I think if you can and start to get them to understand contours and, and those types of things from what they're looking at from uh, backing away from the green. And I always take it when I'm doing putting, I'll always back up 20, 30, 40 yards. And I'll say, tell me what you see, you know, is one side higher or lower. So with that being the case, what's the ball going to do? So uh, again, I think there's things you can do before you get to the green. And then obviously when you're, you're talking about the different grasses and, and the slopes and, and things while you're on it, um, you know, and, and again, as we talk about it, speed is going to affect break too. So, I mean, you can get the contours right, but if you have the wrong speed, then you're still not going to get the right break. So I think it boils back right. down to having some pretty good speed control to be able to finagle those different grains and slopes that you're looking at. Well said. Uh, and it goes further to, to your original point, and that is um, you really need to get out there and, and practice before you play uh, any round, get out there and, and feel the putts out. See how they're they're rolling, how the greens are rolling. Um, you know, rather than just driving up to the first tee, as he suggests, because you're you're not going to understand. Uh, and you might hit some well uh, struck drives in your round, and you might hit some great approach shots to the green. But once you get up there, if you don't know how they're rolling, uh, you can lose two, three, four, even four strokes very easily. Uh, and then your round is is basically, you know, gone to gone to into the into the uh, the drain if you will um john i want to bring you on just on a couple of areas uh about putting as well uh, and this again affects sort of based on the contour uh um, and then also i want to talk about pre-shot routine when it comes to putting because that's an area that a lot of people don't think they have to have uh they when they hear pre-shot routine they're thinking about uh their regular shots uh whether it be on the tee or or their uh you know from the fairway or what have you but on the putting surface, you also have to have a pre-shot routine. So we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But what I want you to start off is, is sort of talk about uh, both downhill and uphill putts. This is an area that a lot of people get very sketchy with. Um, downhill putts, obviously, uh, you've got to consider the fact that the ball is going to roll a little faster. Uh, so you have to make sure, number one, that you're on a good line, uh, and you want to make sure that you don't give too much uh, um, swing motion, if you will, and, and send the ball you know, three, two, three yards past the the hole and conversely on an uphill. So maybe you can talk about some techniques, maybe uh, put it in the form of a, a drill that you like to use with some of your students on how to really face uh, some of those uh, downhill and uphill putts. Well, first of all, Ted, thank you for having me on the show. And Pete, I, as always, I enjoy being on with you. Um, and I agree with what Pete was saying, you know, distance is the most important part of, of putting. Uh, you have to have distance control. And so the most important, Critical things, the, the critical things that are going to affect your distance control is, number one, the speed of the greens. If you're playing at Augusta National or you're playing in a public golf course, I can promise you the speed of the greens are going to be are going to be faster or slower. And then the second thing that really affects it is slope and what you're talking about, uphill and downhill putts. And so what I like to teach my students to do is, first of all, when they get to the putting green, is to have a speedometer, basically, where you putt, uh, basically a level putt. And I like to putt from 20 feet. You can do it from 30. 
You can do it from 40, whatever whatever distance you want it. But be consistent with it so that no matter what golf course you go, you always mark off 20 feet, you putt to the fringe, and you get the speed. Then start putting uphill putts and then start putting downhill putts. And you, Because you have to have the ability to adjust. And the key thing that all of the listeners out there need to understand is when you're putting downhill, you have to play more break than you, than you would if you're putting uphill. When you're putting uphill, you have to hit the putt firmer. When you hit the putt firmer, it's going to break less. When you're going downhill, you have to hit the putt easier, and, and it's going to break more. So, and this is regardless of the speed of the greens. Downhill putts are always going to roll faster than uphill putts. So the first thing that I try to get all of my students to do is I have them – the first question I ask them is when their ball is on the green is do you have an uphill putt or a downhill putt? Um, and then once they give me that information, then we start talking about the break, and that's kind of the order we do it. And so those are important things that you, you can do. I think that the, the main thing that you're going to do as far as learning, as far as the drills and things that you're doing is, is you know, Phil Rogers, again, is my mentor, and, and he always taught me – that when you're when when you practice putting, you the biggest mistake he sees amateurs do is if they do go to the practice putting green, which a lot of them don't, they'll take three balls and they'll go three feet from the hole. And so ask yourself, when you get to the first hole, what are the odds of you being three feet from the hole on after your approach shot or even your chip shot or pitch shot? Most likely you're not going to start out with a really short putt. Most people, when they get on the green, have 20, 30, 40-foot putts. So what he, what he would do in our golf schools is we would get the longest putt possible with the golf school, and we would start putting to the fringe. So let's just say it's 60 feet. We would do that for a few minutes, and then we would move up to 40 feet, and then we would move to 30. We would just keep moving closer and closer and closer until we got up to the hole. And we would do this as a group. And, it, and it would do, we would do this in maybe a 15- to 20-minute time frame. And he would always say to the students, this is the way you play golf. You start away from the hole and you move toward the hole. You don't start at the hole and move back. And so when you're practicing putting, I always thought that made a lot of sense when you're practicing because that's the reality of what you're going to get on the golf course. Uh, and occasionally you're going to hit your, your first approach shot in there close or you're going to chip it up there close. But most likely, if you do get on the green, you're going to have some sort of long putt. So lag putting, uphill putts, and downhill putts are really critical in scoring because, um, you know, we would love to make them, but if you can't get down in two from, uh, you know, 20 feet and 30 feet and 40 feet, uh, if you're taking three and four and five strokes, you're really going to run your score up. And so uh, I think that uh, that's a real important um, part of the game that most people don't spend any time on. Yeah, and that's an excellent point that you that you raised because the the reality is, you know, even when you're out on the practice tee or uh, the practice, you know, putter uh, putting green, you want to emulate or simulate real course conditions. There's no sense in practicing things that you're not likely or very seldomly going to be faced with. Um, so, you know, again, the, the drills that you just mentioned are great for any level golfer really to be practicing because those are more than likely more often not the situations you're going to be faced with uh, on any given round. So uh, again, you're right. Let's start from further away from the hole and work towards the hole as opposed to the other way around, because you're right very seldomly, unless you're a really accomplished golfer and even some of the best golfers in the world are not doing it every single time. You're not getting within three feet 
uh, of your approach shots. Uh, they're usually looking at anywhere from five to 10 feet, sometimes even 15 feet. So if the best of the best are not getting in three feet, every single shot, um, that's why they're not spending all their time practicing on those three foot putts. They're practicing on the longer lag putts, as you suggest, because they want to know that they can get up and down uh, in two for sure. And hopefully every once in a while drop one. Uh, the final thing, John, I want you to touch on, then we're going to move on uh, is uh, pre-shot routine. You know, once, every, once we've got everything lined up and we've read the green, we're ready to hit. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it's more of a pendulum uh, type stroke as opposed to more of a wristy handsy stroke for, uh, for m- many of our golfers today. Um, but it's also important on the putting surface to have a pre-shot routine as well. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Well, I always get encourage my students. I, I tell them as soon as your ball is on the green, you need to start your pre-shot routine for putting. And people look at me like I, I'm crazy. And I say, well, John, I'm 150 yards from the hole. What do you mean start reading the green? Well, start looking at the hole right now. The first thing I do is when my ball gets on the green, the first thing I tell myself, okay, I've got an uphill left to right. I've got a downhill right to left. Um, This is a, you know, a pretty level putt. This is a really fast putt. I'm already assimilating in my mind because I have a much better perspective as I approach the green. It's like looking at a tree. I can see the whole tree if I stand 50 or 60 yards away from the tree. But if I stand right at the trunk, I can't see the entire tree. And when you're standing on the green, you can't get the whole perspective of the green when you're standing because you're standing on it. So you need to start your pre-shot routine once your ball gets on the green. So that means if you chip it on the green or you hit a pitch shot or a bunker shot or a full shot, as soon as your ball is on the green, you need to start in your mind, start looking at the putt you're going to have and start already paying attention to the slopes, especially on golf courses that you don't know very well. So maybe mm-hmm. it's the first time you're playing on a golf course that then you really need to pay attention. The second thing that you need to do is you need to walk the putt as, be- as much as possible. Try to walk up to the hole because your feet will never lie to you. Your eyes will lie to you. Uh, and once you've got that uh, assessment of how far the putt is and kind of a general break, whether it's going to break right or left or might be a double breaker, uphill, downhill, you've got all that in, in there. So you've seen the line. The, the next thing that you want to do is obviously – uh, some players prefer to line their ball up. Um, I do not line my ball up if I'm outside of, say, 10 feet. Anything inside of 10 feet, I will line my ball up. But if you if you prefer to line the ball up, I mean, Tiger Woods does, I think that's fine. But the, the first thing that I do is once I've lined the ball up is I just step back, make sure it's what I want, and then I, the second thing I do is I rehearse the stroke. And when you rehearse your stroke, it needs to be at game speed. I see some people – they'll be 50 feet from the hole and they're making a practice stroke that would make the ball go three feet. And I say, that's not doing you any good. You need to be making the, you need to be telling your body because you're rehearsing. You're telling your body exactly what you want it, want it to do. So you want to be very consistent and you want your rehearsal stroke to be exactly like your putting stroke. And then you aim the putter face with the line on the ball. If you lined it up or with the intended line that you have formed in your mind, and then the, the key thing that I try to get all my students to do is make sure that they hit their putt solid. And one of the simple tips that you can do to hit solid putts is to take a, a Sharpie pen and draw a little dot on your ball. And when you putt, you pay attention to that little dot. You don't pay attention to the ball. And what this will do is it will train your eyes to focus on one spot. And it will train your eyes not to look up because one of the biggest problems that – 
we see from, uh, I'm sure, uh, PCs as well as from students is when they hit their putt, as soon as they hit their putt, their head comes up. They want to see, you know, whether they made the putt or not. So that's a real simple tip to keep your head down. If you keep your head down and you've got your eyes focused on, on that spot, you're going to hit more putts, you know, you're going to hit more solid putts. And, and that's, the, to me, one of the biggest frustrating things about golf is if I don't hit a putt solid, that really is frustrating because there's no really excuse in my mind that I can't hit it solid. So it's very important that you hit a solid putt. And then the next, the last thing that you want to do is you need to watch your ball roll on the green. So many times people hit putts and they turn in disgust and they don't watch their ball. And you need to watch because when you're watching the ball roll, you're basically getting a free lesson. And you also need to watch your playing partner's putt. So if they're putting before you, you need to watch because it's very important. The more you can watch a ball roll on the green, the more you'll know about the breaks, the more you'll know about the speed. And I think that'll help you as well. So pre-shot routine starts when your ball gets on the green, not when you get on the green. And basically, uh, you try to gather as much information you can uh, to, to save as, few, as many shots as possible. Uh, well said. Uh, you're exactly right. It, it begins as you're approaching um, your ball on the green, not uh, once you get up over top of it. Um, uh, well said. Um, Pete, another area is, uh, again, sticking with the short game, is chipping. And I'm going to throw wedges in here. Uh, you know, it's important to be able to chip the ball close, obviously, to the hole as possible. Um, and uh, once again, before chipping, um, we want to take the time to kind of read the greens. If we're close up to the greens. We want to get an idea, get, uh, you know, what, what may or may not influence uh, what happens to the ball. And in most instances, you want to get the ball rolling as soon as possible, again, depending on the circumstance. Um, and I always suggest, and I, I think you guys would probably agree, is to experiment using many different clubs around the green. Uh, many of our, our high handicap or amateur golfers tend to kind of get settled in with one club, a, a wedge. Uh, and, and that may be not always uh, the best way because, again, wedge, obviously, you're going to get more loft. And that might be okay for situations where you want to carry a little bit. Maybe you're, you've got uh, uh, a little bit of um, grass uh, in, in, the, in the fringe that you want to get over and you want to pop it over if you've got a, a close-cut pin. Um, but if you've got a pin that's cut on the opposite side of the green, uh, Pete, you don't necessarily want to fly it over there because it runs into too many situations where you may not uh, hit the spot you want. So you want to get it rolling, and the wedge may not be the best thing. So talk about some of the other options that are available uh, and chipping. Uh, just give us sort of an overview, if you wouldn't mind, and what else besides wedges can be used uh, to make some good chip shots. Well, first and foremost, what I train all my players to understand is airtime versus ground time. And they need to understand with each golf club, if they fly at a certain amount in the air, how far is it going to roll? So that way they get to understand with the wedges to the nine, eight, seven, six, five. Once they fly it to a certain spot, we can measure how far that flew. And then we can also measure how far it rolled. So we start to get a ratio of air time to ground time. And once they understand that, it starts to make it a little bit easier to pinpoint the golf clubs that they can use for their best advantage to wherever the pin is. But, you know, first and foremost from that, you know, once they understand the, the ratios, then when you get up to your ball in that particular situation, the first thing I want them to do is picture what you're trying to do. What are you trying to do here? What do you want your ball to do? And once you have that picture in mind, first of all, does the lie the ball sitting in allow you to hit that picture? Sometimes it may not. And so now we've got to change what we're trying to do. So the lie can dictate the type of shot you're going to hit as well. 
that's buried down there in the grass. You, you may not be able to do what you want to do. But I think, you know, to me, it's using all the clubs around the green. Um, you know, one of my favorite analogies with short game is it, with chipping is I like to say compare it to bowling. If you had to loft the ball from the foul lane to the pins, it'd be a lot more difficult. But they let you roll it out in front of you, which makes it a little bit easier to control. So if you can do the same in chipping, get the ball on the ground in front of you safely earlier and then let it run, you're going to have a much easier time controlling that golf ball. It's harder when you just try to take a sandwich and fly them all the time. Um, And a lot of times the amateurs are in a lie that the sandwich won't work anyway, so they end up either leaving it a foot from where they are or hitting it over the green. And so, again, understanding ratios, understanding air time versus ground time with each club, I think it's a great way to practice and go out there. You pick one landing spot, and then you just run mm-hmm. through all the clubs. Use your nine, use your eight, use your seven, use your six, and just keep flying it to the same spot. And you're going to start to see air time versus ground time, the differences in how each one rolls and how much further it rolls with each club. And then you can just walk it off when you're on the course, and it makes it simple now. And all you do is aim. That's just like a putt. You know the distance because you've already got the ratio of the club that's going to fit that distance and then go from there. But, but always, I, I think first, you picture what you're trying to do. I, I think that's really important. I remember every, every clinic I ever did with John Jacobs, the first thing he said was, what are we trying to do here? It was a great way to start. What are, what are you trying to do, whether it's a full swing or what have you? What are we trying to accomplish? And then once you get that picture, the club for that picture to fit what you're trying to do, and then, of course, always, as I said, the lie is going to dictate a lot of that. But I think around the greens, the more options you have, the better off you're going to be. And so you need to keep practicing with a lot of different clubs around the green to understand which ones are going to make it easier for you to get closer to the hole, uh, which is really going to run your score down. So I think from a, a chipping standpoint, uh, I don't usually use a, a sandwich very often to chip with. I think with the bounce on the bottom, it's a little bit more difficult for the masses to chip with with all that loft and the bounce. Um, but, you know, if the pin's real close and you, you don't need much roll, then, you know, you can do it. But I think from the wedge all the way through, uh, I even chipped a, a bunch of balls in my career with a four iron. Uh, you know, i got a long ways to go, and it's much easier to throw it six feet in front of me and let it run all the way across the green than to try to take a sandwich and fly it all the way down there. Plus, the more you throw it in the air, the less you're going to understand how it's going to react. When you chip it and run it, they react the same way all the time. And so you can get a little bit better control over all the shots just by understanding, you know, air versus ground and, and which clubs are going to fit the situation that you see. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I can't begin to tell you how many times um, I've seen um, people I've played with or even students I've worked with over the years that try to fly the ball um, all the way to the hole from just a few feet off the green and thinking that's the best route. And, what often ends up happening is, again, depending on the distance, it's very, very difficult to get the distance just right, number one. But number two, if you get a little bit too much spin on it, then it tends to check up, and then you lose the, the distance as well. So you often end up falling short. Um, and once it hits and sort of checks up on the green, you don't get any forward, much forward momentum. So, uh, again, it's always sometimes better. So I always, you know, some of our older golfers, I think, particularly get settled in on those wedges because that's kind of what, you know, traditionally was always used, um, you know, uh, years ago. But now people have sort of wised up and realized that there's other options uh, available. Now we even see uh, people uh, that are using their putter um, 
uh, off of the greens now as opposed to even chipping uh, typically or, or flying it with a wedge. So, you know, you really have to assess the, the lie of, of, uh, and, and circumstances that you're faced with and then select the club that you think is best going to achieve that. And, uh, you know, I, again, depending on the circumstances, that'll dictate it. Um, all right, John, I want to come back to you, and we're going to hit a, an area of the game that I know you're uh, always uh, love to talk about, and that is uh, wanting to be able to go long and, and use your driver. Um, but one of the things that is often overlooked that really you don't hear a lot of people talking about. Um, we obviously want to hit long drives, and, and that can be uh, a great asset to your game uh, as long as the drives are, are giving you the chance to make a good second shot, in other words, keeping them in play. Um, but one area is the shaft uh, of the club. More often than not, many, particularly of our high handicapper or amateur golfers, are not playing with the, the correct shafts in their, in their drivers. They're either playing with too stiff or not stiff enough shafts, and ultimately that can affect. Let's talk it from that point um, as opposed to setting up um, how important the shaft is and what we need to be looking for uh, in, in selecting the right shaft for, for our game. Well, first of all, the shaft is the engine of the club. It is the, no matter what club you're using, it's the engine. And the most important club, you know, putting is, the, we talked about putting is, you, you use your putter more than any clubs, but the, the drive is really the most important shot in golf because if you can't drive the ball in play, obviously, and you don't have the distance, you're, you're going to really struggle. So um, you want to have the right shaft. And so there, there's a lot of things that you're going to be looking for. Pretty much everyone out there, and everyone now is using graphite in their driver. If you're not, you need to. Um, I mean, I, occasionally I'll see a steel shafted driver. You need graphite. Um, and then basically when you look at the different flexes, um, there's, there's two things that I really look for when I look, when I'm fitting someone is I want to make sure that I get a shaft that, um, is stiff enough so that, that they can swing when they swing it, they're able to get some load, but they're not getting too much load or they're, or they're not, you know, it's not so uh, weak that it's, it's, um, loaded, you know, it's whipping too much, uh, or, some shafts that you see out there are so stiff that some people can't get any load. And load is basically being able to get a little bit of bend in the shaft and being able to get some kick at the bottom so you get that, that power. So what I try to do is I try to make sure I get the right flex. And then the other thing that no one really ever talks about is the gram weight. The gram weight of your shaft is really critical. Um, and I see a lot of people, I get, I can't tell you how many times I've had you know, fairly good players come in with a 55-gram shaft, and they wonder why they don't hit it straight. If your gram weight of your shaft is not um, heavy enough and you have a faster swing speed, you're going to create torque, and that's a lot of twisting in the club face, and that's going to cause you to really have problems squaring the club face and hitting it straight. You might hit it far, but it won't go very straight. On the other hand, if you have a shaft that's too heavy for you, you're not going to be able to get a, enough uh, of the load in the shaft and get enough kick at the bottom to really get the ball, you know, launched out there and, and uh, get the most power. So the shaft is flex is important, and then the shaft uh, weight or the gram weight. So if you have a slower swing speed, you might be in a 45 or 55, 50 or 55 gram shaft. If you have a faster swing speed, you're going to be in the, you know, 70, 75, 85, to, you know, 83 gram weight. You kind of, if you're in the middle, you're going to kind of your middle swing speed, 
uh, you're going to be more in the 60 to 65 gram level. So those are those are just some generic um, you know numbers to throw out there. But you can tell your gram weight uh, a lot of times by looking on the shaft. A lot of times you'll see that number. You might see 55 or 50 or 65. Uh, if you don't know your gram weight, I would recommend that you go to your local PGA professional, have them look at your shaft, and then ask them, you know, is this the right flex for me? And the, and just simply through the flexes, you're going to have obviously the ladies flex. You're going to have a senior flex. You're going to have the regular flex, uh, the stiff flex, and then the extra stiff. And that's kind of the, the gamut of, of from the weakest to the, to the strongest in the flex. So you want to look at the flex and then the gram weight. Those are really, really important, um, you know, as far as being able to, to have the right engine, you know, in your golf club. Yeah, and it's an area, I think, for a lot of amateurs, uh, you know, for those that go in and get fitted, um, and properly fitted, uh, usually that doesn't um, become an issue. But for a lot of people that, you know, don't want to take the time or don't think it's worth the, the added expense to have somebody properly fit you, um, you know, you, you're you're basically throwing a lot of strokes away just for the very reasons that John just pointed out. Um, Pete, I want to move on to uh, an area that, um, you know, we often talk about, and that is actually playing the golf course. Um, you know, you want to hit shots that are going to give you the, the best chance uh, to hit the clubs that will help you succeed the most. And, you know, it, if you can hit a, a great seven iron, but maybe struggle to hit a, a, a good solid wedge, um, you know, sometimes it might be okay to lay up uh, a little bit on one of your shots to, and, and leave yourself a seven shot in, uh, so, sorry, seven iron in, uh, or, or your next shot to hit a seven iron. So sometimes you have to play, uh, to your strengths and be prepared to handle adversity if it, you know, if it happens to strike. So talk about, you know, again, we always hear about this, you know, playing on the range and, and, and practicing on the range, but then when you get on the golf course, you're going to be faced with a lot of scenarios. Sometimes you have to, you know, put the old mental box to work and say, okay, maybe this isn't the best shot for me under these circumstances. Let me work to my strengths. Talk about that. Once we get them on the golf course, what they can do to play to their strengths and what they should be observing when they're out there. thing you need to do once you step up on the first tee, before you decide what club you're going to hit, ask yourself, which club are you most comfortable being able to hit this ball in the fairway? And for many players, it's not the driver. Um, it may be something different. Or it's early in the round and you're a little bit nervous. You know, if you were hitting them decent on the range and now you're a little bit nervous on the first tee, that might change things. So, you know, loft is always going to be a friend to you. So you might go with a little bit more lofty club off the tee to get you started so that you can, you know, get the ball in play right off the bat. But, you know, I would always say you want to hit something you're comfortable with. Um, and what you said there about, about laying back, I mean, when I played, you know, extensive tournament golf, I was always the best with a six, seven, or eight iron into the green. So I would hit it off the tee to leave me one of those shots in. That's why I felt most comfortable playing shots into the green. And so there are many times I might tee off with a, a, a mid to long iron just so I can leave myself a seven iron into the green because that's going to help me score the best. And I think what most people won't realize is they think sacrificing some distance off the tee means they're not going to score very well. Um, not necessarily. I mean, you know, you've got to be able to put the ball in play, first of all. You know, I've always said it's, it's never the length of the course that gives people trouble. It's the width. You know, it's not wide enough for them to put their errant shots in. 
So if you can control some of those errant shots by going with a little bit more loft, you're going to be able to control yourself along down the road. And there have been many times, too, I haven't started with a driver because I didn't feel comfortable with it. And maybe as I'm going mm-hmm. along in the round and I settle down a bit and I feel a little bit more comfortable and I come up to a hole that the fairway looks like a you know parking lot, it's a little bit wider, but I feel more comfortable. I could probably try a driver now and maybe put it in here. Um, and so I think, you know, you have to look at the conditions that you're up against. I mean, if, if your first hole is water left, water right, and a 20-yard wide fairway, I'd be thinking about hitting some loft off the tee. You know, sometimes the conditions are going to dictate what you got to hit. And, and so that mm-hmm. doesn't that doesn't mean you won't score well. I mean, you've heard those stories where, and you probably did it, I did it, I know John did it, where you, you got to practice and the coach said, all right, it's three clubs today, it's all you get. And you go out there and play as well mm-hmm. as you normally do because all you're doing is controlling the ball around the, around the golf course. So, you know, it's, it's I know in this day and age, it, it's hard to talk about, you know, distance and because and, everybody's after you just bomb it and go find it and then play from there. But, you know, there's a lot to be said about being able to, to control the ball comfortably with what clubs you're comfortable with to put the ball in play and then play on from there. Um, you know, the par fives, if, if your pitching game isn't very good, don't hit your second shot close enough so you have to pitch it. Uh, back up, lay up so you have a fuller shot into the green, especially early in the round. I know there's a couple of golf courses I grew up on. The first hole's a par five. The last thing I want to do early in the round is have a 40-yard pitch shot on my, my third shot on my par five. Because, first of all, I, I probably only hit a few of those on the range, and I'm not very comfortable yet with that type of shot. So if I could have a full one in for my third shot, I'd rather do that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help me to score better on that particular hole. So you have to sort of look at, at your abilities. What are you best at? What clubs are you most comfortable with? And then design the holes out as you play to fit those strengths that you have. I think that's going to help you score better overall more than anything else. You know, and I always said, just because the driver has a one on the bottom doesn't mean it's the first one you have to hit. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just a matter of you getting it in play. And, and I always say, hit it in the fairway as far down as you can. There's a lot to be said about that. It's not hit it as far as you can and hope it lands in the fairway. Hit it in the fairway as far down as you can comfortably and then play on from there. And I think you'll find that you're going to ease yourself into the rounds a lot easier. You'll score better and be more comfortable as you start off. And I think you can build on that as the round increases and you get more comfortable as you're playing. Well, uh, well said, uh, Pete. And I think you're, you know, ultimately you have more fun. I mean, the whole idea of going out there is fun, not to frustrate yourself. And if you're not, um, you know, if you're not really playing the course, uh, you know, the thing we've we've talked about many times on the show is about how often golfers, you know, have perfect lies on the practice tee. You know, they've teed the ball up or they're hitting on, on a, a flat, smooth surface um, and, and hitting some good shots. And then they get out there in the first hole, you know, they're faced with um, severe undulations in, in the fairways or, uh, or uh, on the putting surface, and they're not prepared for it. They don't know how to set up properly. And ultimately, they, they just end up having a, a bad round. And again, uh, the end result is um, when they hit the 19th hole, is they're, they're not happy. They're, they're unhappy. They've uh, had a very unsuccessful round. And um, it, it's no wonder uh, why some folks have, you know, really don't play as much as they would like to because they're just not enjoying it and having fun. And it's because they're not playing smart. It's not because they can't hit the ball. I mean, sure, that, that is a factor, but it's not the most important factor. I mean, obviously, you need to be able to, as you said, get it down the fairway as far as you can 
but the optimum word is in the fairway. If you can hit it 275 yards, but it's never in the fairway, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. So I would rather have it 200 yards in the fairway or even 175 yards, but have it in play each and every time because that's going to give me a greater opportunity to score. Um, well said, Pete. Um, John, we're often, you know, as we've talked about here, you know, face in trouble uh, out in the golf course. When you find yourself in a precarious situation, uh, you want to play safe. Uh, new golfers, uh, you know, sometimes expect to, to get out there and they think, well, they're going to hit a, a shot that they've seen the pros hit on Sunday and maybe they find themselves lodged near a root by a tree or something or in behind the tree, so they're going to try and go over it and or they think they can fade or draw it around the tree, and that's not always a smart play either. So uh, maybe touch on a little bit when, when a golfer finds himself in trouble, uh, maybe you can just use a scenario to what might be the smarter play and how to assess that situation to decide what's the best play for you. Well, the first thing is, is when you get in trouble, your number one goal is to get out of trouble. And sometimes that means uh, you need to know the rules of golf. Sometimes the best way to get out of trouble is by taking an unplayable lie. But if you can hit the shot, let's say it's a situation where you, you can put the club on the ball and you're not, you know, completely uh, stymied. Uh, the first thing that you want to do is you want to have a go-to yardage. Uh, and I always encourage my students to have one wedge that they love, that, a yardage that they love. And so for me, I always love to be between 90 and 100 yards. That's one of my favorite areas to be. So sometimes the reason I say this is I could be on a really short, let's say I'm on a, a par four and I hit the ball off to the right and I can play out sideways and I can leave myself 100 yards or I can go forward and leave myself 40 yards, I would rather be at 100 yards, like as Pete, echoing Pete's thoughts, I would rather have a 100-yard shot. Tiger Woods would rather have a 100-yard shot than a 40-yard shot. 40 yards is dead. That is no man's land. You do not want to be there. So the number one mistake that I see people make when they get in trouble is they compound their problem either by playing a, a, a shot that they're not capable of playing or they always assume that they have to go forward in their escape. And sometimes the best way to go is sideways. So when I look and I'm assessing when I'm in trouble, you know, and I would say the, you know, when it comes to recovery shots, the fairway bunkers and the trees are the two most common recovery shots that you're going to typically have in golf. And in both of those situations, if I look at my forward path toward the hole and I say, my gosh, I've got a eight foot lip in front of me and I'm four feet away from the lip. I can't go forward. I've got to play sideways or backwards. I want to play to my yardage that I'm comfortable with. If I'm in the trees and I have an oak tree in front of me and I can't go toward the green, I don't try to do something stupid and try to bend it around the oak tree. I hit it out sideways and leave it at my 90 to 100 yard safe zone. That's where I'm always, that's, you know, that's what I'm always trying to do. So it's important that you, you not compound your problems. You need to know the rules of golf because Believe me, the rules of golf will help you uh, when you get in a lot of situations. So it's important to brush up on the rules. Know that in an unplayable lie that you have different options, uh, and, and those are very important. Uh, that you're there. And a lot of times when people get in unplayable situations on the golf course, they always assume, well, I'm just going to take two club lengths. That's, all I, that's my only option. That's one of your options. But you could also mm -hmm. go back and play the shot again, or you could keep the point between you and the hole and go back on an imaginary line as far as you want. 
and give yourself a nice full shot uh, maybe into the green. So knowing the rules will save you, uh, understanding that when you're escaping trouble forward, we would love to go forward, but don't go forward if you're going to leave yourself a 30- or 40-yard shot over a bunker. Look at forward, then look at playing sideways, and then your last resort is to either play backwards or take an unplayable lie and maybe go back to the tee. So there's a lot of options that you have when you get in trouble. The rules of golf will get you out of trouble, uh, and if you, if you have good course management, you can get yourself out of trouble and, and do it in a safe way that's going to allow you to, to shoot the best score possible on that round. And just think about this. You play out sideways, you knock it on the green, and knock in a 20-footer, you made a par. You know, that's a, it's not the way you designed it on the, when you were standing on the tee, but when you walk off the green, you got a four. So that's important. Exactly. And it doesn't matter how you got the par. As you said, it, it doesn't have to be pitcher perfect every time. Uh, the, the main thing is you obviously want to try to get that par or better. Um, and sometimes even bogey uh, can be your friend, uh, depending on the circumstances. Um, you know, and, and just one other thing I just want to add is, you know, we, we often see this so many times with a lot of golfers out there and they're just not, not playing smart. Um, they're, they're trying to execute a shot, uh, without really putting a lot of thought into it. You know, as you mentioned, John hitting that 40 foot, uh, pitch shot over a bunker, um, you may have several, uh, yards. In fact, maybe half of the green is to the left or right of that bunker uh, and wide open uh, where you could easily uh, pitch it onto that part of the green. Yeah, you might have a little bit longer um, uh, putt, but you're taking that trouble out of play. So there's a lot of different options and you have to hit. And, and just to touch on your point about, um, you know, with an unplayable lie, I think one of the reasons, and this is probably what causes a lot of people to make poor decisions, is they don't want to necessarily go back to, to, uh, to the tee and, and tee over again with a provisional uh, or not a provisional, but with, with, with their next shot um, because of slow play. They're concerned about things like that, and I understand that. Um, so if you hit your tee shot and you're unclear, uh, you can hit a provisional um, just to play it safe. Um, and also the other thing, talking about the rules, um, also when you come up to the, to the golf course, especially if a place you've never played before, get to find out what the local rules are. Some golf courses have additional rules into uh, in, in addition to the, the regular rules of golf um, that suit their course. Maybe, you know, they have a very narrow uh, uh, fairways, and to avoid playing in somebody else's fairway, uh, they may allow free drops here and there. So, you know, find out what the local rules are. Um, sometimes they'll work to your advantage as well, depending on the circumstances. So, um, but guys, well well done. I, I, we didn't get to everything. I know there's a few more here, but we're we're running out of time. So, uh, I'm going to give you guys, uh, um, you know, a moment or two to uh, let the folks know to, to reach out uh, if they choose. And if you've got anything special going on, any uh, promotions or whatnot, uh, now's the time to do it. So, Pete, I'm going to start with you and then John. Well, first of all, Ted, thanks for, for having me on. And John, it's always a pleasure. I always enjoy being on with you and, and uh, all those pearls of wisdom you have. It's always great to spend some time with you. They can reach me at plainsimplegolf.com. That's P-L-A-N-E is the plane. All my information's out there. Um, sort of the status quo for me this year, um, we're, we're, we're don't have anything new programs in. We're just continuing on the ones that have been successful. So, you know, if you have any question about the game or anything, I always like to start it with a conversation. So, you know, feel free to reach out. Let's get a discussion going about your game and, and uh, let's see what we can, can help out 
and where we can take it. So plainsimplegolf.com. Perfect. Thank you, as always, Pete. And, John, what about you? Well, Ted, again, thank you for having me on the show. And, Pete, as always, I enjoyed being on with you. For the listeners out there, if you're in the Columbus, Ohio area, or if you're going to be visiting, uh, I teach out of the Westerville Golf Center. So you can reach me on social media um, um, for Facebook uh, at John Decker Golf Instruction. And I spell my first name, J-O-N. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can reach out to me on any of those platforms. I'm also um, now writing with Golf Tips Magazine. I'm really excited about um, about this. It started in March. And so uh, I've been writing instructional articles um, and I've got in, in the last two uh, issues that have come out and also my fairways to heaven feature that uh, has come out as well. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I would encourage all the listeners out there. Um, I think that golf Kits magazine is a great, a great magazine and Ted, I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity with that. Um, and then I am running some, um, I'm trying to get some online uh, business going, so I'm running a special uh, with that. I'm, I'm offering three online instructions um, for $99 and a subscription to Golf Tips Magazine. So if you're interested in that, please uh, reach out to me on, on social media, uh, and I'll be glad to give you that information. And then my book, uh, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and also on Walmart.com. Perfect. Well, thank you as always. And, and John, I appreciate your contributions to the magazine and uh, look forward to um, you uh, to continue to write, uh, knowing some great tips, but uh, also to continue on your Fairways to Heaven uh, articles as well. Um, they've uh, been a great read over the last couple of issues and they'll continue to be. And guys, as always, thank you very much for giving of your time here on the Coach's Corner panel on Golf Talk Live. It's always a pleasure and I appreciate you giving of your time. So have a great, uh, a great uh, rest of the week and, uh, and into the weekend and much continued success. And I'll see you guys the next time on the Coach's Corner panel here on Golf Talk Live. You got it. Thanks, Ted. Thank you, Ted. All right. That was my very special guest joining me on the panel discussion tonight, uh, Pete Buchanan and John Decker. And as they just both mentioned, uh, some great ways that you can reach out through social media and uh, uh, various websites that you can contact them on as well. And as John pointed out, he is uh, one of the senior editors of uh, uh, Golf Tips magazine. He's got some great articles uh, that have been put together through his Fairways to Heaven series, which has been really uh, good, where he weaves a little bit of scripture in there with, uh, with some golf instruction, which has been proven to be very, uh, very interesting read and also has done some great uh, tips as well. He's also, uh, we've just put up on Golf Tips uh, magazine's YouTube channel, and that is youtube.com forward slash golf tips mag, a uh, three-part signature series uh, on uh, um, on the, the three most used clubs um, that you'll have, and that is the driver, the putter, and and obviously the wedge. Uh, there's some three videos there on YouTube that you can go and see. Check them out. Go to youtube.com forward slash golf tips mag, and under the playlist, look for signature series and John Decker. Uh, will be there uh, with his three video series as contribution to the uh, Golf Tips magazine. So uh, check them out. Plus check all the other uh, instructors, the part of the top 25 uh, elite, if you will, on Golf Tips magazine. Some great uh, uh, videos uh, been featured on on that YouTube channel. All right, I'm uh, going to be joined here in just a moment or two uh, by my special guest this evening, uh, Chris McGinley. I'll tell you a little bit about him, and then uh, when he comes on board, I will bring him on. 
Uh, he is uh, Homna Golf's uh, North American general manager. He's also the founder and CEO of a training aid brand, Swing Align. Uh, Chris is leading the charge, if you will, to familiarize the savvy North American golf market with Honma's uh, special brand of beautifully crafted performance equipment, which combines 60 years of meticulous Japanese hand-sculpted perfection with cutting-edge design and materials innovation advanced by McKinley's talented Carlsbad-based team of engineers. Uh, Honma's award-winning lines of TR-20 woods and irons uh, luxury uh, Bears family of precision clubs, uh, game improvement XP1 clubs, and the MyGolfSpy.com most wanted tee uh, world W4 wedges have gained serious traction in North America. Uh, they were recently launched uh, its Homna mobile experience fitting programs to complement the fixed locations uh, Homna experienced uh, destinations in Orlando, Florida, uh, and um, also in Hawaii and the uh, Golf Performance Project Victoria in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. So they're uh, all over the globe. Uh, McKinley is more than a 30-year golf industry veteran with 21 years of groundbreaking innovation at Titleist, where he built uh, category-leading product lines under Titleist, Vokey Design, and Scott, uh, Scotty Cameron Brands. He's well-known in the golf industry, a, a product expert with extensive experience uh, presenting the benefits of technology to the world's best tour players, uh, club pros, and top amateurs. And in 2017 and 2018, uh, McKinley served as CEO of V1 Sports, uh, leaders in video golf swing analysis technologies uh, for professionals and golfers, and he uh, still serves as a V1 Sports uh, board advisor. So I will bring Chris on in just a a moment or two, Uh, but I do want to remind everybody um, to uh, check out um, golftipsmag.com website. You can subscribe to the magazine. Uh, for 14.97, uh, if you're here in the United States, you can get a, uh, a subscription to the magazine. Uh, again, for 14.97, that gives you six issues. It's a bi-monthly magazine. Uh, we just got a couple of issues left for this year, but you can get it anyways. Uh, or if you're already a subscriber, uh, maybe think about gifting a subscription. You can do that as well from the website. Uh, you can get both the uh, print if you want, just solely the print, or you can get a print and uh, digital. Uh, for an extra five dollars, which is 19.97, you can get both the print uh, six issues, and you can also get a digital version as well. So uh, check that out, and just to also remind everybody that coming August 4th, uh, the next issue of Golf Tips Magazine will be hitting the newsstands. Uh, so you want to check that out. August 4th, uh, Golf Tips Magazine will be hitting the newsstands. All right, as I mentioned, uh, my special guest uh, joining me this evening is uh, Chris McGinley, uh, Hanma's Golf America's North. American general manager and the founder and CEO of training aid brand Swing Align. Of course, Chris has been on the, uh, the show before, so pre- please welcome my very special guest, Chris McKinley. Chris, welcome back hey, to Golf Dan, Talk Live. You? I'm doing very well. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me on. Well, I appreciate it. Um, when I had you on before, I know we talked about Swing Align. We're, we are going to talk ab- about that again. Uh, in a little bit, just to uh, let everybody know what's what's new and happening there. But I wanted to start off uh, for those that maybe aren't as familiar with Hanma uh, Golf. Um, we can talk about a couple of things there that I want to touch on as well before we we transition into Swing Align a little bit later on in the show. But um, why don't you tell us who is Hanma and a little bit about their story? Yeah, you bet. It's it's actually a 60 year old brand um, founded in Japan by two brothers. Uh, with the last name Hanma, and uh, golf enthusiasts, club makers, 
um, you know, just two guys that really loved the sport and loved the game and, and thought they could contribute to it on the equipment side. Um, it's really a brand that, um, I mean, you can imagine 60 years old making clubs longer than, you know, most of the big names here, Callaway, TaylorMade. Uh, so, um They've really had an interesting history, but the, the, the foundation in which they built the company on was really craftsmanship and hand craftsmanship. And, it's, you know, you know a little bit about Japanese culture and some of the things they make, like swords. Obviously, that has led to, um, you know, Japanese forged irons having such a great reputation. But um, their craftsmen just seem to have this uh, very unique sensibility um, where it's you know, really all about everything you need and nothing you don't. So, uh, yeah, long-time club brand. Um, the, the chairman of the company is uh, an aggressive guy. Han has been very successful in Asia. You know, it's over a $200 million brand in Asia. Um, so it's not small, but it's had such a such very low presence in uh, the North American market. And... You know, he really sees the brand as a a global brand, and in order to be that, you need to be successful in the U.S., which is the biggest golf market in the world. And so, uh, you know, we've put together a a new team here, and uh, that's our goal, to grow in the U.S. You know, and, and, you know, I'm very familiar with uh, the Japanese culture. I've worked in the past uh, with a number of large Japanese companies, and I know their, their dedication to detail uh, is is world renowned uh, not just in technology but in other areas as well. So you're exactly right on your on point there, and you know really to come into the U.S. market with such a solid brand already uh, is going to really help them to to get a, a good strong foothold as opposed to just coming in as a brand new company trying to break ground. Uh, even though they're coming into a, a new market for them, they're coming in with a well-established global brand already. So that's going to obviously uh, add uh, some uh, oomph, if you will, to their presence here. So let's shift gears just a little bit and talk about how you became involved with the Honma Golf family. Uh, what sort of like, because as I read out before you came on, I read out some of your, uh, you know, previous uh, dealings in the golf business. You're obviously a veteran of the game um, and have had a lot of uh, opportunities to work with some of the, the, the biggest companies in golf. What led you to Honma and uh, helped you transition to becoming uh, part of their team? Yeah, well, um, they had decided, you know, on, on that growth strategy in the U.S. that they needed some help. So they hired Mark King as a consultant. And, uh, you know, everyone knows Mark as a longtime CEO of TaylorMade, a guy that, you know, really had tremendous success in the market, uh, growing that brand quickly and aggressively, you know, through product and, and uh, aggressive promotion. And so um, – you know, Mark put together a team, and fortunately, I was, you know, one of the guys he, he had asked, hey, this is uh, an interesting opportunity. You know, like you said, hey, it's a brand with some heritage that really wants to get going here. Um, you know, they need a, a fresh look into the U.S. market, a different lens, if you will. So I was brought on to do the product. Um, <clears throat> you know, Mark moved on to you know, what I would say, greener or crunchier text, uh, pastures with, uh, he became the CEO of Taco Bell. So he got offered a, a, a really great job and uh, and is no longer really involved in, with Honda, but is still a big supporter from the side. 
And, uh, we, you know, we've been through uh, a few management changes, but my initial focus was product and, and still is for the most part. But I've now um, taken on the role of GM of North America as well, So, uh, which for me is, is, a, is a great privilege and a great challenge. So to, to try to grow this brand and, you know, realize the vision that uh, some of the people before me is, have seen for this brand. Well, and excuse me, and, and again, you know, you're dealing with a 60-year a, a history of a company. So, it's, again, it's a well-established brand globally already. Uh, so they've worked out a lot of the kinks and the bugs, if you will, um, prior to coming to the United States, which gives them a clear advantage to be able to introduce uh, some of their products. And we're going to talk about those now. Um, and that, of course, is the TR20 family, which includes the 440 and 460 drivers, uh, along with the uh, TR20 P and V irons. Talk a little bit about the drivers and also about the irons. What makes them unique? Yeah, I think just just to go back to your last point, Ted, I think you're you're right on. It's great to start with that 60-year heritage, but you know we still have some work to do in terms of awareness. But what was really great is that you know they have such great experience over there on the club development side. They're really skilled craftsmen, and um, it was just really a thrill to collaborate with them on the TR line. You know they they needed to look at the UAE market through a different lens. So um, you know that's where I kind of tried to guide them in terms of you know, let's be a little bit more performance forward, a little bit more modern in the construction, um, and really combine all the great club making and craftsmanship experience that they already had. I mean, it was really just waiting to come out in a product that was a little bit more appropriate for a Western market. So TR20 driver was really the first thing we got to work on, and they came to the table with a, a design that was really incredible in terms of a very unique carbon clamshell construction, <clears throat> minimal titanium frame. I mean, if you think about a race car, which is, you know, designed to go fast, the way modern race cars are constructed uh, is they have a very strong frame, um, but a carbon body. So, you know, there's really, there's mass and there's structure where it's needed, but there's also a lot of lightweight material um, to make the structure more efficient. And the TR20 driver, because it's so weight efficient with the carbon top and bottom. It's very speed efficient. So really everyone we've worked with, with this driver from tour player on down has found it to be very fast. Um, as good as any driver that's out there on the market in terms of producing speed and good launch conditions. And the, and the construction really um, lended itself to a, a unique sound and feel that you typically didn't find with drivers that had a lot of carbon in them. So, um, you know, we've been really thrilled with the, the reception to TR20 from a performance point of view. Um, mm -hmm. You know, unfortunately, we launched it March 15th. <laughs> so with COVID, right. that yeah. was pretty bad timing. We almost feel right. like it's a new product. So when we can't wait for more golfers to experience because, you know, we had to, we had to put it on the side here for the last few months. But uh, um so, so that's TR20, really a wonderful product in terms of it's got all the shaping characteristics uh, and experience that they bring. It was a, it's a hand-shaped profile, uh, looks beautiful, very simple in the playing position, but elegant, um, very unique, efficient construction uh, with some adjustable weight technology that allows it to be made into 
either a high MOI driver, a low spin driver, or a draw bias driver. Now, you know, you and your listeners are probably familiar with some of the bigger brands that have individual models in each of those categories. And we right. didn't think for Honda's first launch that, you know, we could we could launch three or four drivers on the market. So we made one driver design in two different shapes that with the adjustability really allows you to dial in your ball flight. So, you know, we're covering a, a large portion of the audience, of the, the golfer audience out there, and it's really a fitter's dream, this product. Hmm. What about the irons? You know, uh, obviously there's, um, uh, again, a lot of um, thought and, and whatnot have, has gone into this, the last 60 years. Are their irons typically more designed for um, a real player, or are they also a forgiving iron as well, or do they have both? Yeah, I would say we went a little bit more towards the player's end of the spectrum with the initial TR20 launch. So it's uh, we have two models called P and V. Um, they're both really player's distance products. Uh, they're both forged. Um, the P is a little bit more of a progressive uh, design. It's what we call a pocket cavity, and I'll explain the construction on that a little bit. But you know, Honda, you know, probably over the last 15 years has been really well known for the super high-end, super premium, um, you know, lightweight Asian product under a brand called Berez. So they have a history of mm-hmm. making products for super game improvement players, but in Honda's not-so-recent past, they were a very successful better player company. Um, you know, you go back, back in the day, like they, they made some of the best persimmon woods out there. And, you know, Lee Trevino won tour events with Hanma persimmon drivers. So they have a good heritage in, in better players. Um, and so, you know, and Japanese forgings are always beautiful. The shaping's great. So we just really wanted to bring that with, you know, into kind of players distance products, the P which is its pocket cavity. It's a, a thin forged L cup face and a forged body with a bunch of tungsten weighting in the sole. So it's a progressive design. That modern construction allows us to have stronger lofts but still get great launch properties. Um, you know, it's a little bit like metal woods. You hear about, you know, high launch, low spin. That's obviously now coming to irons. So the P is really a, a beautifully shaped product that provides distance and forgiveness, but still in a player's shape. And we made the P as big as, a, you know, like a PGA Tour player or a really good player would look at. We didn't want to make the envelope any bigger than that. So it's not too big for a good player, but it's big enough to pack a bunch of forgiveness. And the V iron is a, uh, a one-piece traditional cavity forge product that kind of drafts off the, the shape and look of the P-iron. So it's very easy to combo those two sets together. So if you want something more traditional in your short irons, you could go with V, something a little bit longer and more playable in the long irons, you could go with P. Or obviously you could buy them each, you know, as an entire set. Well, and I think it it obviously makes a lot of sense from their perspective to really um, create a better players club to begin with, um, as opposed to the other way around, to come into the general market 
Um, because most most go- average golfers, they're looking to see what the, pro- the pros are playing. Of course, they're not playing the exact same clubs uh, that the pros are playing, but they gen- generally tend to, to look at the trends. So I think for Hanma to, to come out and have, um, you know, a very honed and very specific product line at this point makes a lot of sense because, again, they've, as you mentioned, you know, Lee Trevino played their persimmons uh, and had uh, some success with it years ago. Uh, and as we transition to, to newer technology, for them to, you know, make it appealing to, you know, the best of the best is, is going to get that, that product awareness out there. And then they can all obviously scale it down or scale it back uh, for the general golfing consumers out there, which uh, maybe don't need quite the, the same, uh, uh, you know, they're still not sacrificing the technology and, and the uh, forgiveness of the clubs, but making it more uh, accessible for, for the average consumer out there. So I think that's a very smart move on their part. Um, they've also launched a wedge fitting uh, workshop, if you will, uh, to complement their uh, award-winning uh, uh, wedge series. And that, Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, Hanma has had a sneaky good wedge that no one really knows about. Um, you know, My Golf Spy named it uh, their most desired wedge product. Um, really nice product. And to that, we've added a gentleman named Jacob Sanborn, who was known to some golfers as the wedge wizard. Um, Jacob is a young wedge guy out of Oceanside, California. So um, I happen to live in Oceanside, California. So, you know, I saw this young guy with this cool brand um, really doing some unique things on the wedge decorating side and knowing Hanma's you know, heritage uh, uh, as a brand based on craftsmanship, I thought, you know, what a great move for Honda in the U.S. market to have a, a U.S.-based master craftsman. Um, you know, he's a, he's a young, budding Bob Vokey. And, you know, I worked at Titleist for 21 years and was part of the team that launched the Vokey Wedge line and, and, and saw how, uh, you know, Bob was able to be successful in what he did. And, um so we decided to bring Jacob in, and uh, he's really going to do some great stuff for Hanma, and we're, we're just getting started there. But he's got a, he's got a really nice uh, program and product uh, offering now that you can find on our website, hanmagolf.com. And, uh, you know, going forward, we're going to, you know, we're going to get some more exposure for Jacob and, and roll him out in a bigger way. Um, well done. And, and you know, it, 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 I think, again, overall, I, I can't emphasize this enough, but you know when you've got that much experience behind you, um, regrettably, as as you pointed out a few moments ago, you know we we fell into this this sort of um, cycle of, with the pandemic and that where you know there's been a lot of uncertainties. But it, at the same time, I think there's also benefits uh, that can be had as well. It gives Hanma a, a little bit extra time to really um, focus on any changes that they might want to make or. Uh, reevaluate uh, uh, certain things that they may want to consider at this time. So it gives them a little bit more breathing room, but obviously they, they were coming over ready to, uh, to, to get everything out there. And um, so I, I look at this as an opportunity for them to, to reevaluate and regroup, if you will, and buying them a little bit of time. And I think the fall we're going to see, we're already starting to see a lot of golfers out there. Everybody I've, I've talked to in the business, you know, more people are getting out there. Golf is fortunately one of those uh, uh, few recreation sports out there where social distancing and things like that have, are already sort of built into the game. So 
Um, we've been very, very fortunate, unlike so many other uh, sports uh, industries and so forth. Um, another thing I want to do, and then we're going to switch. For, yeah, you know, so I mean, it, it's had its obviously. Um, we don't want to take away from some of the, the the real issues that have happened, and we certainly don't want to play oh, down no. this uh, pandemic. Right, yeah, but no I think you, yeah, I think you. We're very respectful yeah. of that, and you know, hey, it's great. The demand for golf is unprecedented because, like you said, it's an activity people can enjoy. And I know some of those players that have either refound the game or are coming into the game, they're going to stick, and that's going to benefit mm-hmm. everybody. Right, and there's a lot of new people coming to the game as well that have never played before that are, you know, put it bluntly, you're bored, they don't know what to do, and they're saying, hey, you know, golf's something that's open, we can go out there, let's give it a try. So it, it's really not only for the industry folks like yourselves that are in the equipment side of things uh, and products, but also for a lot of the teaching professionals and coaches out there uh, are getting new students that they never would have gotten before potentially. So it, it's been a win-win for golf in general, and again, there's had, had to be some adjustments made along the way, but I think ultimately – uh, it, it's going to be good overall for the industry. And, and again, we want to have everybody play safe, of course. But um, one final thing I want to talk about, Hanma, um, and that is yeah. their mobile experience. Uh, they've launched uh, their mobile ex- uh, hubs, if you will, across North America to make things a little bit easier. Let's talk about that. Yeah, like you said, I mean, I think one of the things uh, this has afforded us is the chance to really evaluate our our strategy um, and put the right, you know, structure in place to to get to the market and uh, expose the Honda brand and show people the great product. There's really no better way to do that than, you know, putting golf clubs in people's hands and letting them hit them uh, or get fit for them. So, you know, we've kind of pivoted to, to a, mobile, a mobile strategy. We've got uh, 14 reps around the country with mobile vans. Um, you know, they're able to get out and do anything from a, a single person fitting to, uh, you know, a bigger type day uh, at facilities. So there's information about that on our website and uh, how you can get fit. Um, We do still have some traditional retail doors. Um, So, you know, uh, we we are shifting towards a model where, hey, let us come to you and and get you fit um, because we think that's the best way to buy a premium piece of golf equipment. And the Hanma Mobile Experience is, uh, it's just that. It's a really nice high-end experience where uh, we'll go through your game, um, we'll ask the right questions, uh, we'll do the right things. And, uh, you know, hopefully the result of that is we we got you in a a brand-new, shiny piece of Hanma equipment that really helps your game. What's been, uh, and again, it's, it, I know it's been very, very limited um, because of what's gone on this, this year, but obviously I, you've gotten some feedback uh, already on, on those that have been able to uh, either be fitted or have had experienced uh, um, the equipment that Hanma has. What's been some of the feedback so far? Well, I mean, it's been very positive. I think, you know, uh, as the, the country has started to open up again, and we've been able to get our vans out and facility access has been easier. It's, uh, you know, just getting the clubs in people's hands. But, you know, there's still some golfers that have never heard of us. Um, when we say, hey, we're a 60-year-old brand with lots of experience, um, you know, that that, that kind of gives us a, a reason to put a club in their hand and say, hey, try this. And uh, the, the performance feedback has been fantastic. Um, you know, we've had nice, uh, nice coverage in the media, um, we've had nice results through independent testing that's been done, and we just had mm-hmm. really great uh, feedback 
from golfers directly, which is really what's most important. So, you know, yeah, we right. just want to continue to continue to try to make that magic moment happen. You know, when you got a good fitter that understands your game and what you're trying to do and puts a club in your hands that works. I couldn't agree more. And if uh, for the listeners out there, if you want to get uh, more information uh, on Hanma, you can go to us.hanma, and it's H-O-N-M-A golf.com is the website. So go to us.hanmagolf.com to get more information. All right, uh, Chris, we're going to switch gears and talk about uh, another product that I know you're very, very familiar with. Uh, you spoke about it here on the show, and we'll talk a little bit more, refresh everybody's memory because I know it's been a little while. And that is the Swing Align uh, product, and it's an innovative swing training aid, uh, which obviously promotes better form, uh, solid contact, and more control. And who in golf doesn't want more of each of those? So uh, let's recap a little bit, refresh everybody what the product is. I know we don't have the visual cue uh, right at the moment uh, to be able to show everybody, and we'll direct them to the website a little bit later uh, so they can uh, see for themselves. But just give us an overview of the product how it, it came about, and uh, and exactly what it is. Yeah, so, um, you know, Swing Align was a passion project of mine. Um, founded the company after my stint at Titleist and before Hanma. Uh, the company is now actually run by my son and business partner. Um, so it's really a family kind of deal, which is nice. I've, I've got a full-time job, obviously, at Hanma, but I am still the founder of Swing Align, and uh the device really originated from uh, my partner's brother, a guy named Alan Strand, who was uh, a PGA Tour putting instructor. He founded uh, a putter line named Dandy Putters that had a, a really bright and shining 15 minutes of fame. VJ uh, <laughs> Singh won the Masters with a, a Dandy Putter. Um, unfortunately, mm. they weren't able to, to keep it going, but uh, part of the work that Alan Strand had done on the PGA Tour uh, led him to think about the golf swing um, and ways to improve it. So he really liked to study players. And he came up with the, the, the sort of the idea or the basis for this device, which is two arm cuffs connected by a stretchy cord with an alignment rod strung across them. So it's both a physical device that you can feel and a visual device that you can see. And so, unfortunately, the, the backstory is that Alan got cancer and never got to bring this product to market. Um, I hooked up with his brother. Um, we re-engineered the product or completed the engineering on the product, got it patented, and launched the company um, you know, about two years ago. And, uh, you know, the, the response has been great. So, it's a, it's a wearable device. You wear it across your tre- chest and around your biceps. Um, you know, you've probably seen golfers who will practice with a towel under their arm or a glove under right. their arm trying to, keep, trying to keep their arms and body connected. That's one of the things that this device does really well, but we think in a better way because it allows you to make a more free-flowing athletic swing. And plus, you add the element of the visual alignment rod. So, you know, the one thing a golfer can't do is when they swing is they can't see themselves swing. You know, they need an right. instructor or their buddy or video to tell them what they're doing wrong. 
And alignment is one of those fundamentals that you constantly got to check. I mean, even every tour player has their caddy stand by them on the range and check their alignment. So, you know, we thought, wouldn't it be great if there was a device that could give you some visual clue as to how you're aligned and then, you know, physically help you feel uh, what the proper rotation was like and the proper connection was like. So the things it does best are alignment, rotation, and connection. They're they're very fundamental things in the golf swing. You know, if you talk to an instructor, those are probably three of the biggest fundamentals that, you know, they're going to say golfers struggle with. So that's really what we honed in on and came up with what we think is a unique patented way to, you know, teach the golf swing, the fundamentals of the golf swing, both visually and through feel. Well, and, and feel particularly for a lot of players. Visual, obviously, is, is, is a given. I mean, visually, you know, when the player can see what they're doing right or, or doing wrong, it helps. But feel is, is a big part of it uh, as well because you're, you're exactly right. Um, you know, it's one thing to be able to see that, but to also be able to feel it um, is another thing. And what I like about it is, you know, so many people in golf, especially our high handicappers, don't understand the point of, of being connected with their upper body so a lot of times their arms become uh you know sort of get out of sync with their upper body and this helps not only visually make sure that they're they're keeping in that uh that sort of a one piece takeaway if you will um but also they can feel it uh as well which is equally as important so it it, it gives some great feedbacks and as i said we'll in a few moments here i'll give the uh uh, the website so that people can go and they've got some great images that talk about all three on there, exactly what, uh, what needs to be done. Um, so obviously that's been very successful and you've now gotten your son on board to help uh, get out and take over uh, some of that aspect as well. And I see that you've also uh, got now, uh, I believe an additional product for the short game. Let's talk about that a little bit. We do. Yeah. Swing a line short game. So it's really founded on some of the same principles, particularly connection. So if you notice, you know, a lot of people talk about in the short game, the triangle that's formed between your arms and across your shoulders and how for really good short game players, they control their stroke, you know, by maintaining that triangle, using their big muscles to use to move the club instead of, you know, flipping at it with their arms and hands. Um, if you're able to have a more controlled and connected short game, your discipline is going to improve. And how consistently you strike either putt is going to improve. So that's really what swing line short game is all about. It actually works in reverse of both things. Uh, but the cool thing is it works with the same components. So you just take the arm cuffs, you flip them around in, and on the alignment rod, there's some stoppers. So instead of the stretching cord pulling your arms together and keeping you connected, you actually press together to form the triangle and, and maintain what that, you know, feels like during a, a good short game stroke or putting stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just, you know, we, we looked at the original device and thought, wow, this thing has a lot more uses and a lot more potential. So we created... The short game device, and you can actually, um, you know, get both through our pro kit. 
or you can upgrade your full swing device um, if you already own one or you're thinking of purchasing one with what we call the short game rod. So there's some nice flexibility there that you can actually get a device and use it both for full swing and for, for short game. You know, and what's nice, as we touched on a little bit earlier, right now with, with so much uncertainty going on in the country and, and literally around the world, um, and many people have, you know, been, been forced to, you know, hunker down at home and feel a little bit disconnected. Maybe they're not in a position to get out to um, or, or maybe even unwilling, uh, you know, out of concern to, to get out and, and work on their game. Uh, what this allows them now is to be able to, you know, uh, work on it at home. They can work on some of the aspects of their game with this product at home. So if they can't make it to the range or out to the golf course to work on their game, they can pick up your products here and actually be able to uh, implement some of that training, if you will, right at home. No question. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. Um, you know, a lot of people are working from home. Uh, even, you know, most of the people in the golf industry, the, the big club companies are working from home now. So uh, it's nice right. to be able to take a little break and practice. I think that's really good for alignment. If you, you know, spend five minutes with this thing every day, practicing your alignment, you can put another alignment rod on the ground or, you know, line up on a floorboard or a, a seam in your garage, any straight line that allows you to look down and see the visual of your upper body and how it aligns with your lower body. I mean, you might be shocked to find, my goodness, my shoulders were 10 degrees open and I didn't even know it. Right. Works really well at home if you've got enough room to swing in your garage or out in your backyard. Uh, you don't need to hit a ball. It helps you with connection, um, you know, keeps you from uh, having a flying el right elbow. It helps you release the club squarely at impact. Um, you know, and that's one of the cool things about the device is you can, you can practice, you can rehearse positions, you can take a full practice swing, or if you do take it to the range, you can hit balls in it. So it's pretty versatile mm -hmm. in that regard. Yeah, and that's another point I wanted to bring up as well is the fact that, you know, in addition to giving you some great feedback, you can actually hit balls with it. A lot of training aids you can't. A lot of training aids just, you know, help, help you garnish the feel, if you will, or, or give you some visual cues, but they, they're not really designed for whatever reason uh, to actually be able to and, and strike the ball with it. So this is a great product that allows you to do both. It gives you some, some great visual feedback, uh, feedback excuse me, uh, some feel, of course, that actually allows you to uh, execute the shot, if you will, uh, and of course you're going to get feedback from your ball flight. So um, it's a great product all the way around. And as I mentioned, I was going to uh, uh, let the folks know where they can go and get more information or purchase uh, their own uh, Swing Align uh, training aid, and that is go to SwingTrainer.com. That's SwingTrainer.com. You can get both the uh, swing Align, uh, the, the standard uh, Swing Align uh, product, and you can also get the short game, or you can get um, literally lots of other different things as well. So uh, definitely want to check that out. Um, what's going to be next for Swing Align? Is there going to be another product that you're thinking about down the road uh, to add to that, or, or what? There is. Yes, there is. Um, we've already completed the engineering on it, and... Uh, printed some 3D prototypes to test out the, you know, do kind of a proof of concept. And it's a, it's a putting-specific device. Um, and it's a little different. It's you, you don't wear it on your body. You're actually going to wear it on your putter. So it fits on your putter. And uh, it's a pretty unique uh, alignment 
and um, solid contact kind of training device. So we're looking to have that on the market here in the in the next couple months. So that'll be another addition to the the family. And uh, you know we're 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 passionate about helping golfers improve and uh, you know continuing to try to come up with. Uh, thoughtful and well-engineered solutions. So that's really what, you know, the, the Swing Align family of products is all about. And, you know, it, it is a great product. And I think, uh, you know, as, as we've both mentioned here, you can never do enough to help improve your game, whether it's through some great equipment like Honma um, that helps you out on the golf course uh, or, something that you can use both on the practice tee or at home, like Swing Align. Uh, they're both great uh, companies, great products out there, and you definitely need to check them out. So, again, if you go to us.honmagolf.com, and that's H-O-N-M-A-Golf.com, and swingtrainer.com, you can check out both uh, great companies and uh, and see what they have to offer, and I guarantee it. Uh, there's some good stuff there. Um Chris, what what's next for you? What what's uh, how are things sitting right now? Are you guys starting to to slowly move uh, back into the industry a little bit with with all that's going on? I know you said some of the vehicles are out there with the uh, uh, the mobile units and so forth. What's next? What's what's coming down the pike? Yeah, I mean, I think you know um, the golf industry has faced the uh, same challenges many businesses have. Um, you know, as we talked, we are fortunate that golf is an activity that, that people can play and uh, and be thinking about, you know, getting better. So, uh, you know, we just we want to we want to get through this year, continue to, uh, you know, be aggressive since a lot of the season was lost, continue to, you know, get our bands out there and get events scheduled. And uh, we've got some new product coming uh, on the TR line. So an extension with uh, Fairways Hybrids, another set of irons uh, called TR21X that we're really excited about. So we're, we're just going to keep doing those things. Um, you know, regardless of whether it's a golf equipment, golf clubs, or say a, a swing training product. I mean, the cool thing about the golf industry, it's very product focused. You know, people, right. a lot of golfers are, are uh, gear geeks. So um, that's really <laughs> what makes it fun and yeah, we're, we're going to keep going and keep making great products. Well, that's like you said, that's the fun of golf. There's always something interesting and new coming out. Um, when do you do you expect the the TR twenty one X series? Have you got a, a tentative launch uh, for that? Is it going to be this season? Yeah, yeah, we hope we hope to be out fitting people in October, and then um, you know have the product available for sale around uh, November first. So keep keep an eye out for that. Very good. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for, for joining me tonight. Um, it's it's always an honor to have you on the show, and I appreciate you sharing uh, both stories on Hanma and also on Swing Align uh, with my audience. And much continued success. I know it's been a difficult year for so many, but uh, it sounds like you guys have have uh, got some some great uh, things coming ahead. And I wish uh, both Swing Align and Hanma much continued success. And you're welcome back anytime. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Ted. Really appreciate it and really appreciate what you do to, you know, spread the good word on golf and focus on the positive. So thank you for that. You're very, very welcome. All right. You have a great weekend. And uh, again, much continued success.
Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was my very special guest, Chris McGinley, uh, Honda Golf's North American general manager and also founder and CEO of training aid brand Swing Align. Uh, and again, if you want to learn more about uh, either of the products, you can go to swingtrainer.com uh, to learn more about the Swing Align products. And you can go to us.honmagolf.com, and that's H-O-N-M-A golf.com. Again, it's us.honmagolf.com or Swing Trainer uh, if you want to learn more about the Swing Align uh, uh, products available. And as uh, Chris had mentioned, there's going to be some new stuff uh, coming down the pike, so you want to take a, a careful note. Bookmark both of those websites, and you can get an idea of when things are coming down or, and, uh, and check it out. Uh, I want to thank everybody again for uh, joining me tonight uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com uh, network. Uh, each and every week, of course, I've got uh, a great panel discussion to start things off on Coach's Corner. Uh, again, a special thanks to Pete Buchanan and John Decker for joining me tonight on tonight's panel, and also my very special guest, uh, Chris McGinley um, from Hanma and Swing the Line. And uh, so remember to tune in every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, and on Tuesday mornings, you can join both myself and my co-host, uh, LPJ professional Cindy Miller, on the blogtalkradio.com network's Women of Golf show. And uh, we're back in the swing of things, if you will, with the show. Uh, there's been a little bit of hiatus with the Symmetra Tour. We had uh, Rajin Liu, of course, was the winner this uh, past weekend at the Firekeepers Casino Hotel Championship. She joined us this past Tuesday. Uh, as the uh, winner, and that was her fourth, actually, win on the Symmetra Tour. So um, there isn't going to be a tournament next week, but we are set up to have another young lady. In fact, the runner-up from that tournament is going to be joining us next week uh, as they uh, have uh, some travel going on and that to, to get to their next event. So uh, we will keep you updated with all of the winners on every Tuesday morning. That show airs, the Women of Golf, here on the blogtalkradio.com network, uh, airs from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on this network. And uh, wherever uh, podcasts are heard, you can, you can tune in there as well. But it is live every Tuesday morning. And, of course, uh, Golf Talk Live is live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 Central here. So on that note, I want to thank everybody for joining me t- this evening on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if for some reason you missed tonight's broadcast, if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash Golf Talk Live and you scroll down to the on-demand section, the show in its entirety will be there front and center, and you can also scroll down and see all of the previously aired shows uh, when it's convenient for you all during the, uh, in the archives section. So make sure you do that. On that note, God bless, and I will see you next time right here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for listening to this evening's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. Remember to tune in each week at blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. If you can't join us live, check out the on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts or listen on any of the following social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and, of course, Spotify. To get updates on future shows and upcoming guests, be sure to visit the show's Facebook page, Golf Talk Live blog. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO. Remember to join me live each week for another great broadcast of Golf Talk Live. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! 
computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 